this season of Christmas that we're in can, can, and, and is such a huge blessing, and it can be a huge blessing, but it can also be very taxing and very um, demanding and very um, um, uh, stressful. And I just had this on my heart today to share with you, and I want to start in 1 Peter 5, 5 through 10. It says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you, be submissive to one, one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Casting all of your care upon him, for he cares for you. Then it goes on to say this, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Then it goes on and ends with this, resist him, Stay steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings that you're experiencing are experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. I want to talk to you this morning about being blessed, not stressed. Being blessed, not stressed. Say that with me. Say blessed, not stressed. Say blessed, not stressed. For two weeks, I talked about living the blessed life. And, of course, last week on our day of thanks, we talked about living a thankful life. You can go back on the podcast and get all of those. I encourage you to check out especially the ones on living the blessed life because we talked about um, the type of life that God wants for us. We talked about how to know that God is good and that the devil is bad and how to decipher what it, you know, which is which, the things that we go through in life, um, and, and how to know. It was a very, very good sermon. Um, I'll be honest with you, not to toot my own horn, but that was one of my favorite sermons I've preached in a while. It was Living the Blessed Life Part 2. I'd check it out on your favorite podcast player on your phone. But God wants you blessed not stressed. That's what I want to talk about today. God wants you blessed, not stressed. This season, this Christmas season, you know, obviously as a Christian, it's a phenomenal season for us. We're celebrating the birth of Jesus, our savior. And if you think about that, I mean, anomaly, the the fact that God, the father, the almighty God who spoke the world into existence, who created the heavens and the earth, who created you and I, who put all of this in motion. The same God loved us so much. John 3.16 says that he loved us so much that he sent his only son to die for you and me. That's, a, that's an amazing thing. I, I'll be honest with you. I, we, we, we have such a, uh, a celebration of Christmas that sometimes I think we, we, we fail to stop and think about what this really means and what this season really means and what Jesus coming down as a human being means. The fact that he took on the same flesh, pitch yourself, the same flesh that you have, the same mind. Yes, he was all God, but he was also all man. All God and all man at the same time. He did that for you. He did that for me. He did that for my kids. He did that for my future kids. He did that for for our future generations. God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus. Yet we've turned this season, and I don't say we as in, you know, us in this room, obviously, but 
as a society, as a culture. We've turned this season into buy as much as you can. Spend as much as you can. Do as much as you can. Go see everybody. Even if you hate their guts, go see them. Go spend time with them. I mean, we've created this thing where, where we've got to go and do all this and run around. And, it, and in many ways, it creates a lot of stress. Uh, the statistics say, and I started to copy them in there, but there's a lot of variance in the statistics. But, but the, the point is, no matter where you look, at whatever source you look, there's a high number of people that their, their uh, stress level goes up for numerous reasons during the season. Most of them say from high spending. From high, the high spending causes stress. Most of them say um, that it's, it's the, um, the busyness of the season. Just the extra busyness. You know, we're still working. Now I've got to do extra shopping. Now I've got to do Christmas parties. The busyness of the season, it causes extra undue stress. And on and on and on, there's thing after thing that reasons why people say the holidays cause stress. But I tell you, I've studied God's word. I've looked and I can't find anywhere. I can't find one scripture. I can't find one supporting word from his Bible. No, about being stressed. I can't find one word that, that supports the fact that I should be stressed. As a matter of fact, everything that I see says that I should not be stressed. And whether it's the Christmas season or not, you know, the other things that tend, the other thing that tends to happen during, um, and when we've lost loved ones, we remember that during this time. And it's tough. It's tough. And so whatever the situation may be, whatever spectrum you're on, the undue weight, whether it's caused from Christmas or from something else, whether it happens today or it happens the first of the year or it happens in the middle of the summer, I want to preach a message this morning that will inspire you and invigorate you and remind you of what God's Word says about where stress comes from and what we're to do about it, and that we're not to live in it. Say, I'm supposed to live blessed, not stressed. I'm supposed to live, we're supposed to live blessed and not stressed. Third John 1, 2. Let's look at that. And we're going to circle back to 1 Peter chapter 5 where we started. But 3 John 1, 2. 3 John 1, 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper. Everybody say prosper. That you may prosper in all things and be in health. Now look at that word health. If you have um, um, a Bible that you can write in or type in or, or digitally alter in some way, highlight it, underline it. If you got your bulletin, which I hope you got when you walked in, get out your pen and write down health. God wants you healthy. God wants you, yes, and we've talked about it. I talk about, you know, prosperity and blessing and almost every, uh, on every Sunday because that's something we teach on often. But I want to focus on this health part. Just as your soul prospers, so there's, there's prospering of my mind. I, my mind and my soul, my emotions should be prospering. So, so should my health. Now, I want you to think about that. If, if God would tell us that he wants our soul to prosper, what is our soul? We know that our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. If you don't know that, I would write that down. That is your soul. You are, the real you is a spirit. Point to yourself and say, I'm a spirit. 
So that's who you are. You are a spirit. Your spirit was made new when you got saved. Your spirit is where God speaks to you. Your spirit is where God deals with you. As you sense God's presence in the service this morning, you sense that in your spirit. That may have showed up in an outward expression. You may have danced. You may have gotten joyous. You may have um, had, had um, you see me, I, I like to jump. I, I don't know what happens, but my legs just get kind of busy, and I can't really sit still, and I just kind of have to bounce around a little bit. I, I mean, yes, I can control that if I want to, but I've learned to just yield to God moving in me, and I can be reverent, and there's nothing wrong with being reverent, but I also know that there's nothing wrong with a little dance in church. Come on, somebody. There's nothing wrong with a little joy in church. There's nothing wrong with a little praise in church, and so as I sense him, now I don't sense him in my feet. I sense him in my spirit, but it might show up in my feet. Or it might show up in my voice. Sometimes I yell. I get a little excited. I might, I might just let God's word come out of my mouth and start proclaiming his, his word. That, that, that shows up. Okay, well, that's my soul responding to my spirit. What I want to encourage you this morning is that in the same way that happens during a moment of praise and worship in a church service is the way we should live. I want to let that sink in for a second. Because... If your soul can respond to your spirit in worship, then your soul can respond to your spirit in everyday life. And you can control you. I love that statement. I've said it for years, and I've kind of coined it. You control you. You can control yourself. Your spirit, I'm saying you, the real you, you can control you. What it takes is you developing your spirit. Well, how do you do that? I'd, I'd be honest with you. I, I don't work out very often. I may look slim and I may look like, you know, something, but that's just because I stay busy and I don't probably eat enough as I should. But I don't work out like I should either. I've got two little kids. We have a very busy lifestyle. I don't work out. Y'all pray for me. I need to work out. I need to go run or something. Is anybody, anybody else with me? I need, to go, I need to go work out. Especially, you go and eat all that turkey and all that stuff. For, you know, and you can't, you know, why is it at Thanksgiving, you can't just eat the meal, you have to eat dessert? I mean, I had more dessert this week than I've ever had, like in the whole, like in at least in a year since last Thanksgiving. I mean, I just, you have to eat every meal. Well, you know what? How about some of that pumpkin pie? You know what I'm saying? How about some pumpkin cheesecake, Uncle Phil? You got some of that? I mean, I just, I mean, <laughs> I, I got to have dessert. I don't work out enough. If I really wanted to tone my body, if I really wanted to, to uh, gain muscle, if I really wanted to lose the, the excess weight that I do have, if I wanted to do any of those things, I know what it would, what it would require. It would require me doing extra, extra work. It would require me working out. It would, it would require an elliptical. It would require a treadmill. It would require some sort of, you know, maybe some sit-ups in the living room at, at midnight or something. I don't know, but it would require something. Because I'm not doing that, my body has not responded to the workouts I'm not doing because I'm not doing them. I like to describe our spirit sometimes as a spirit man. Because if it's the real me or a spirit woman, right? The real me, I believe that in the same way you work out your physical body, when you read God's word, when you pray, Jude 1.20 says that um, when we pray in the spirit, it actually builds up our spirit. Well, how is that possible? Because my spirit needs built. You know, I have to become, uh, just as you train your body, just as you train your soul, you know, um, you can train your mind to see, think certain ways. Have you ever been around a military person? The, you're a military person, right? Have you been around someone who's, uh, we have this guy, Nate, in Florence. 
innate, uh, and we have, um, uh, we have two of them, and the other guy's slipping my name, my mind right now, but, but they are ex-military, like high level, like Navy SEAL type stuff. I don't remember what they did, but like, like there were some bad, bad men. You know what I mean? Like, like you don't mess with them. They did just, just the way they carry themselves. You know, the thing that I realize about them is their mind is trained differently than mine. Like we could walk around the same building and because their mind is trained to look at things a certain way, they'll point out security flaws that I never saw as a big deal. And they'll say, now JT, listen, we can't do that. And I'm like, why? What? And they'll say, listen, well, this will happen. And if someone were to walk in, that's a big vulnerability. And if they were to have a weapon, blah, 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 blah. And they'll outline. And I'm like, well, I never would have seen that. Their mind has been trained. They've been, they went through training that I didn't go to. They did things that I didn't do. They experienced things I didn't experience. And they're trained, their mind responds to situations differently than mine. If they were to be in some sort of um, 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 shootout incident, I'm ducking and covering. I'm running. I'm throwing a chair at them, something, you know what I mean? But they would know exactly what to do. They've, they're trained for that. My point is this. Maybe that wasn't the best analogy to talk about in church nowadays, but my point is that their mind is trained differently. And then in the way that, that, that your mind can be trained to think like that, and your body can be trained in, in a physical way, your spirit, you can train and learn to listen to your spirit. You can learn to respond to your spirit. You can learn that, no, I'm not supposed to think like that. I'm not supposed to do that. I'm not supposed to. That, that, and you have to train yourself. You know, you control. You, God wants, I want you all to say this with me. God wants my mind straight. God wants my memory straight. God wants my emotions straight. That's what God wants. God wants you to think straight. He wants you to look straight. He wants you to be straight. He wants you to have a well mind, a well emotions. He wants you to be, be competent. He wants you to be smart. He does not want you to be stressed to the point. He does not want anxiety to rule your life. He does not want you to be anxious to the point you can't function. Listen, God's called us to do some things in this world. And I can't do them if I'm stressed. I can't do what he's called me to do. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm carrying too much weight that I'm not supposed to carry... It bogs me down. It, it slows me down. I'm not supposed to. I'm not supposed to. What the devil wants, I wrote this down. I think this is great. I would write this down if I were you. What the devil wants is he wants you focused on things you don't need. That's what he did to Jesus, right? Look at how he tempted Jesus. He took Jesus up. He showed him things that Jesus already had. He showed him things that Jesus, Jesus and all Jesus did was just return the word back. The devil wants you focused on things you don't need. The devil wants to distract your focus from the mission. He wants to distract your focus from the mission. You know, that verse, 1 Peter, if you want to put that back up there, the part, uh, verse uh, 7 or 8, there was, yeah, yeah, no, the roaring lion part. Verse 8, verse 8. Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. He's like a roaring lion. Do you understand that the reason this analogy works and the reason that Peter used this analogy is because we are considered God's sheep. You, we are considered God's sheep. A lion, when he would attack sheep, there would be a big herd of them. They call it a sheep fold. 
And the sheep would actually stay in the fold. They would almost be, be so close together and so close-knit. If you've ever seen video or footage of, of, of a sheep herd, it's really kind of amazing how close they are. And they herd them together, and the dogs run them together, and the shepherds move them together, and they stay in a herd. What a lion does is he would roar and distract the flock. And when they would disperse, when they would get out of the sheepfold, are you following me? Are you guys tracking with me? Come on, y'all help me preach this now. When they would get out of the fold, when they would get by themselves, when they would get off of the mission, that's when he would attack. I've said this numerous times and I'm going to say it again this morning. You cannot give the devil a foothold. The Bible tells us don't give him any foothold. Don't give him any real estate. You've got to be prepared and recognize that if I'm getting distracted from the mission, it's coming from the devil. And I've got to refocus my, I've got to refocus on the mission. The other thing the devil wants is he wants you focused on the problem. So he wants you focused on things you don't need. He wants to distract your focus from the mission. And he wants you focused on the problem. See, the bigger the problem is, the smaller Jesus becomes to you. And if he can magnify the problem, if he can have you focus on the problem, then he's made it bigger in your eyes than Jesus. That's what the devil wants. I wanted to point that stuff out because I think that one of the keys to living blessed and not stressed is recognizing the devil's tactics. We've got to recognize the devil's tactics. You've got to recognize that he is an idiot. He's an idiot. He is dumb. He is stupid. I'm serious. The Bible says that the devil is under our feet. Point, look, pick your shoe up for a second. Y'all are sitting down. Pick your shoe up. Look under your shoe. Put a label there if you want to. You can write the devil with a Sharpie pen. That's where the devil is. He's under your feet. Take your foot and stomp. Come on, stomp the floor. That's where the devil is. He's under your foot. He's under our feet. That's where the devil belongs. That's where he is. That's where he should be. And that's what, so whenever there's a, a, an attack, and you know, I've said this before, everything that we go through is not necessarily directly from the devil, but it all results from any trouble and any calamity, disease and all that. Even though we may put it on ourselves, ultimately, the devil started it all. So the devil's tactics are simple. He always attacks money. He always attacks family. He always attacks health, and then he uses circles back through. Seriously. I, and I don't know if your life is different than me, but that's what, that's what happens. And so when I see it come up, I know what to do. I know, okay, listen, and especially going into a season like this, this is a busy season for us at the church. I'm preparing myself and preparing my family. Look, we've got to stay on our P's and Q's. I've got to stay in the Word. I've got to pray in the Spirit. I've got to walk around and pray in the Holy Ghost and let and build up my spirit to make sure that I'm not missing anything. That I'm not going, I mean, I, I, you know, the, 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 just the way the, word, the, the Lord gave us words this morning to many of us in this room, He'll do that throughout the week. He'll do that on Monday. He'll do that on Tuesday. He'll do it on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Recognize the devil's tactics. Satan goes about like a roaring lion. You know, it's not an ambush. Write that down. It's not an ambush. It's not an ambush. It's not some, some sideways attack that we're not you know, expecting. It's, it's, it's expected. The Bible says that 
that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord shall deliver us from them all. Hallelujah, the Lord. Listen, say that with me because I want to make sure that I'm not focusing too much and giving the devil too much credit this morning because he really is dumb. I, I want to just, let, let's focus on God and what he does. He delivers me from them all. Say that, say God delivers me from every situation the devil may cause. That's what God does. He is a deliverer. He is a way maker. He is a promise keeper. He is a light in the darkness. That is who he is. Hallelujah. He is a way maker. Our God is good. If you don't control your thoughts, your thoughts will control you. If you don't control your thoughts, your thoughts will control you. Well, pastor, I don't understand. How can I control my thoughts? Well, 2 Corinthians 10.5. Look at this. I'll write it down. 2 Corinthians 10.5. And we're going to look at a couple of different translations. The one that's on the, on the screen, we'll read that first. And then I've got a different one on my iPad I want to read you. It says, casting down arguments. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Listen to this. In the NIV, we demolish, say demolish. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. What is that saying? That anything, any knowledge I have, any thought that I have that's against the knowledge of who God is, I demolish it. I demolish it. I, I, I got to take it into captivity. It goes on to say in this translation, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I want to just ask you, who does that? Who does that? We do. We demolish. We take captive. We bring every thought into captivity. We, you and me, Nothing is impossible. That means that you can control your thought life. I'm possible. I like that. Instead of impossible, I'm possible. Anything is possible. That means that I can do all things. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Jeremiah 29, 11. I love this scripture. I know the thoughts that I have for you. Look at it in the New King James. I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Doesn't that just blow your mind? God's thinking about you. God's thinking about you. He has thoughts about you. He has desires and plans for you. He has a hope and a desire for you. You matter enough in this big cosmos that we live in to the almighty God who created it. You matter enough to him that he thinks about you. He thinks about you. He's got thoughts towards you. I know, another translation says it this way, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future 
and a hope. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and to give you a hope. See, when we change our thoughts, y'all, y'all tracking with me? Are y'all following this? When we change our thoughts to his thoughts, because he's thinking about us. Y'all see where I'm going with this? He's thinking about us. He's got thoughts that he has for you and me. He's got plans for you and I, that, they, that those plans are for future and, and for hope. Those plans are for good and not for disaster. And so those plans that are in his word, that are not secret, I know them. I know his plans. I know his will for me. I know he wants me healthy. I know he wants me blessed. I know I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm over and not under. I am so, I'm blessed. I am blessed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I'm blessed going in. I'm blessed going out. That's what his word says about me. Then that's what I'm going to think. That's what I'm going to believe. That's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to let the devil ruin this season for me. I'm going to take this season and I am going to rule it. I'm going to take thoughts captive. I'm going to take those issues. I'm going to take them and I can take them captive. And I say, no, you're not going to ruin. I know what God's word says about me. I know what he's, if I can take down every thought, if I can cast down every vain imagination, then I can do it. And when I do it, I'll walk in blessing. I'll walk in blessing. Blessing comes when I obey God's word. One of the words that he gave me is to cast down, to take thoughts captive. To take thoughts captive. When I walk in that, when I walk in that, anytime, remember Isaiah tells us the willing and the obedient eat the good of the land. I like the good of the land. I like the good of the land. I've eaten food that's been highly processed, like a good McDonald's burger. Come on, somebody. I know it's highly processed, but man, that burger is good. I'm just saying, I know it's just, it's just there's something they put in it. I'm sure it's probably even illegal, but man, it's good. But then I've also had high-grade, grass-fed, oh yeah, I'm talking about a filet mignon, like, like the good one. Y'all ever go like on a cruise ship, you know, where they give you all that stuff, the high level, like, like lamb and duck, you know, I've had all of that. And there's a difference in eating the good of the land and eating McDonald's. I'm not knocking McDonald's. I'm just saying that there's a difference. And if I had my choice, if I was going up and there were two restaurants and there was one serving that kind of stuff and one serving McDonald's, I'll be honest with you. If there was no price tag and all I had to do was pick one, I'm going to the good one. I'm just saying I'm going, I'm going to go pick me up a filet mignon. I'd like it medium, please, because I want a little bit pink in the middle. I want some juices still coming out. Who's a medium person in here? We got a medium person. Who's a well done? You don't want yours moo? Okay, you don't want it mooing anymore? I like mine to just, just moo a little bit. Just a little bit. The willing and the obedient eat the good of the land. I want to encourage you. Do not let this season kick your behind. There's no reason why you should be stressed. There's no reason why you should be anxious. Cast your cares on the Lord. I want to end with this. Go back to that verse in 1 Peter 5, 7. He said, cast your cares on the Lord. I used this analogy a few months ago, and I think it's great. I'm going to use it again. You can leave that verse up there as I finish. It It says, cast your cares upon him, for he cares for you. I took my girls fishing. And when we took them fishing, I realized that they loved to reel the, the, the fishing line back in. They, they couldn't cast it, but they loved to reel it back in. 
And as I'm out there fishing, I realize that that's what we do. That as Christians, we take our cares and we take it and we put it on the fishing line and we cast it out as far as we can. We want to cast it on the Lord. We want to get rid of it. We come to church and we get rid of it. We come to church. We come to the Lord. We pray in our prayer closet. We go in our car and we say, Lord, help me. I don't want to deal with this and I give it to you. And then I walk back in the office and I put it back on. I reel it back in. I just reel it back in. So I can cast it out again and reel it back in. Don't reel it back in. Cast your cares. That word there means to literally take and remove. Take and and remove from your existence. That it is not your burden to bury, to bear. It is not your burden to bear. It is not yours to wear. Any anxiety, any care, any weight is not yours to bear. You know, I, it makes me mad when Christians say, oh, serving God is just so hard. That's not what God's word says. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that means when I serve God, that I can take things off of me and put it onto him. Yes, stuff's going to come my way and something's going to happen. And all of a sudden, boom, on my shoulders, I got this weight. And I got to figure out, okay, Lord, I need your help. I'm going to take it and I'm going to give it back to you. And Lord, I know you're going to take care of it. I know what your word says. See, when we know his word, we can do that. Because underneath that care is his word. But otherwise, I feel like I have to. Y'all see that? I feel like I have to put it on my shoulders. But if I put it on top of his word, I'm going to just let his word take care of it. I'm going to let his word hold it. I'm going to let his word take that for me. I don't have to. I know. See, that's why we have to know his word. That's why we preach his word. That's why we hear his word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. When we hear his, his word taught, when we get that faith in us, when it builds up within us, we can live a life, a blessed life, not a stressed life, a blessed life. We can walk in the blessings. God wants you healthy. He wants you healthy in mind. He wants peace. Everybody say that. Say peace. That's not in my notes anywhere. That just, that just came right out of my spirit. He wants you to live and walk in peace. In peace. Peace that passes all understanding. How do you walk in that? You walk in his word. You walk in his presence. You walk in his promises. Speak his word over your life. Don't let the devil recognize his tactics. And when he, when he attacks, don't be surprised. Take the word and, and just send it right back at him. Take it like a sword and stab it right back at him. The Bible says the word is a double-edged sword. Don't let, don't let him. The devil can't win. The devil can't win. The devil's not a winner. The Bible says that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I tell you, if you need a verse to quote, maybe that's the one you start with because I'm telling you that encourages me every time. There may be weapons and they may form, but they're not going to prosper, not in my life. Now, I can allow them to prosper, but I'm not going to. I'm going to stand on God's word. And God's word says that a weapon formed against a believer that's one that's walking under the protection of God, under his umbrella, that weapon shall not prosper not in my life not in my household not in this church in the name of Jesus it will not prosper 
I'm sorry to get excited. I was wrapping up, but now I got excited again. God's word, see, that's what God's word does. It, it bubbles up in your spirit and it shows up. I, I, I can't help but get excited because I know his promises and I know that I want so much for everyone that's in our church to walk in those blessings, to walk in that, to walk in that life. As I close this morning, I want to just encourage you. Listen, take God's word, take his promises, repeat them to yourself, speak his word. Don't let your thoughts, if you don't control your thoughts, your thoughts will control you. You control your thoughts by speaking his word. You control your thoughts by driving the, drive the, drive it, you drive it, you drive it, you drive it, you drive it. What do you mean? You take the word. You take the word and you put it first and foremost in your life. You take the word and you say, I'm going to start my day with his word. I'm going to end my day with his word. I'm going to drop my kids off at school with the word. I'm going to go, I'm gonna, before I go in the building, I'm going to go to work. I'm going to go with his word. I'm going to confess his word over my life. As a matter of fact, if I walk in the building without it, I might take a couple steps back and start over. I'm not going to walk in without confessing God's word. I'm blessed going in. I'm blessed coming out. I'm going to, I'm the head and not the tail. I have favor over me wherever I go. I have favor. God's, God's hand is with me. His hand is with me. He follows me. His spirit is with me. I thank God that his spirit is with me. I hope that I've encouraged you this morning. If you got anything out of this, say amen.